the word. And I said, well, we know how to pray and went through all the steps about praying and believing and receiving healing, acting on your faith. And I said, and uh, if you feel well enough that you can come to church and not have to be in the bathroom the whole time, then uh, <laughs> you're welcome to come. Just keep your distance. And she said, well, I'm doing better right now, so I might see in a little while. Uh, but since how she's not here, I'm thinking that she changed her mind. <laughs> so uh, just agree with us in prayer that uh, she's healed whole and well and that whatever it is doesn't get over over on to Brother James. And and uh, we'll just pray and believe that they're healed whole and well. And then Brother Derek's going for his pre-op in the morning. So we're going to believe that everything goes through clearly without any problems, complaints, or anything that the doctor's satisfied and then there will be no delays to his surgery. And then uh, Jackie passed her cosmetology test. So uh, she's just got to go through the processing of paying for and applying for the license. And that will all go through. So she'll by the, I guess by the end of the week you'll be fully licensed. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so she is now a legally licensed cosmetologist. So very proud of her for that. And then uh, so uh, just a lot going on, and uh, we'll pray, and then we'll do our... Thank you for being here with us. Uh, Lord, we just... We... Lord, we just... We just come here eager to hear your word and eager to draw closer to you, Lord. We, we ask that you, you help us to draw closer to you. You give us the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for those that are here and those that are listening online. And Lord, we just know that it's going to be good tonight because we come with expecting hearts and, and, good, and we are, come with good ground, ready to receive the word. Thank you for that, Thank you, Father. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you must leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, we do praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. Father, we thank you in advance. We ask that you uh, think through mine and Michael's mind. You speak through our lips the very oracles of God, that you use our tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer, that we may declare your words with signs, wonders, and miracles following and, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen and amen. Let's do our Bible confession. Remember, confession doesn't do anything for God. Uh, what confession does is it helps to put us in faith and keep us in faith. Amen. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people look at this book right here and they go, oh, it's just a book. No, we got to understand what the purpose of this book is. So let's confess. This, this is, is my Bible. Bible. It, it is, is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's words are my thoughts. 
God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Well, glory to God. Well, let's turn to Galatians chapter 3 for part 6 of Galatians. <laughs> we're in part 6, but we're in chapter 3 of Galatians. We've talked a lot about the different things, and there is a treasure trove of, I mean, Paul, by the whole, I should say the Holy Ghost, through Paul, put so many marvelous mysteries and truths into this letter. And that's why it's going to take some time to get through it. I don't believe it's going to take us six months like it did uh, Martin Luther back in the eight, what was it, 1800s. Uh, but uh, there's Praise some God. marvelous truths in here, and we're going to take our time and find them. Amen. So uh, let's start right here in chapter, or in chapter 3, verse 15. Just kind of refresh ourselves a little bit about what we saw two weeks ago. Because, of course, last week, Bridget did a, Miss Bridget did a dynamic job teaching about being ready in season and out of season. And yes, we do need to be ready in every area of our life, but specifically we need to be ready in season and out of season to apply the word and to minister the word, to minister the word. Uh, Because people will ask you questions about the word um, when you least expect it. Uh, one time, Pastor Mike, when he was relatively new in this walk with God, uh, was out on a fire line, and uh, you had a gentleman come out of the fire, or in the fire. Yes, that is true. Um, I was on a, on a, okay. <laughs> well, that's the way the Holy Ghost took right. it, so. Okay, so uh, I was on this fire, I was relatively new as a firefighter, and, and uh, honestly kind of new at being a youth minister and stuff. Um, in fact, I may not have been. I don't think we, we may not even been youth ministers point. yet. Um, I guess we had just started. Yeah, we had just started. It was about the same time as I started in fire. So yeah. Um, and we were on this fire here locally, over uh, towards uh, Robbinsville, and and it was a uh, it was a fire that the smoke was laying in the valley, and and it was really smoky conditions, and you couldn't see very far, like maybe from here to Miss Bridget. <laughs> uh, so about halfway back in the sanctuary, and also, and I'm I'm just out there fighting fire, doing my thing, and all of a sudden out of the smoke comes this this old man, and I'm like, what's he doing out here in the middle of a fire? I mean, we were in a neighborhood, so okay, but but the guy comes out and he starts he starts telling me about um, about uh, how he was in uh, I guess it was World War II, and he'd been uh, on an island in the South Pacific fighting the Japanese and how he had to kill two people, two Japanese with his bare hands. And he felt like um, that he'd never be forgiven for that. And, uh, and well, he wouldn't forgive himself anyways. Um, and I didn't know what to say to him. You know, I, I'm, you know, mainly I'm trying to focus on my job here. I'm trying to fight the fire. He's new at fighting fire. <laughs> I'm new at fighting fire. And, and this guy comes uh comes in and and he's just telling me all this stuff and i'm just like this is really weird and freaky but um 
I should have shared Jesus with him. I should have been ready to share Jesus with him and, and, and tell him that Jesus, you know, died for his sins and that he could be forgiven and stuff and, and at least make sure he knew that, if not leading him in it. Um, but I choked. And uh, honestly, I, I really beat myself up about it because I knew that I'd missed it. And, and, you know, by the time I looked back at the guy, he was gone off into the smoke. He went, you know, and, and, you know, the way he was wandering around and talking about stuff, you know, it's, it, it, he may not have been alive another day or two, you know, or he might still be alive today. I don't know, but I missed an opportunity to, to help him find the Lord and find forgiveness. And so when you miss it, when you do miss it, don't just blow it off. When you miss it, say, Father, I see that I missed it. Forgive me for missing it. Holy Ghost, bring me another chance. And in a situation like this, definitely pray, Father. Father, lead that man to somebody else that's ready. Bring somebody, bring us into laborer that's ready, that's in season to that man or that woman so that they may receive and know Christ. Um, you know, so. Um, but it just goes to show you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, somebody can just come up to you and they need they need God, they need Jesus. And if you're not ready to share with them, you know that's that's the Bible says that 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 blood could be on your hands yeah. if they end up you know if you weren't if you didn't do what you were called to do, yeah. that His blood could be on your hands. So, well, how does this tie into Galatians? Well, it ties into Galatians in that what Paul put into Galatians. If you'll really sit down and dig into it, you'll come to find out exactly who you are and what you have in Christ. And when you have that knowledge on the inside of you, when you live and breathe that Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord, here in a few minutes we're going to see where he says to put on Christ. When you get up every morning and you put on Christ, then you'll be you'll automatically be ready. You'll automatically be ready. That's part of putting on the armor of God. That's part of that's just put that's part of who we are as Christians is we get up in the morning and we're supposed to, you know, you, you know, we put on our undergarments and our overgarments and brush our hair and brush our teeth and put on our shoes and in that process you need to be putting on Christ. You need to be talking about Christ. Um and that's part of how you be ready in season. And uh, so here we're going to see some interesting things um, because the Holy Ghost is always, always with us. The, the, the thing about God, and here's the deal. You don't have to know every scripture uh, and you don't even necessarily have to know where all of the scriptures are in order to be a witness. You, you always, always, always have at least one teaching with you at all times, and that's your testimony. That's your testimony. And what had, the other thing that you have to understand is on the inside of you, you have the Holy Ghost, which is the Father God and the Lord Jesus, because they're, though they're separate, they're one. And so if you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside, if you'll learn to let your Holy Ghost speak, if you'll learn to release your Holy Ghost, your Holy Ghost has everything that you need to speak. 
But most of the time, we're too busy up here in our head instead of down here in our spirit. And that's what the whole uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians is about, is about learning to operate by the spirit and not by the flesh. See, in the Old Testament, they had to do everything by the flesh. They didn't, in fact, you don't even find the word faith in the Old Testament. What you find in the Old Testament is obedience. They obeyed. They heard and they did. That's faith. I think sometimes the New Testament writers kind of do us an injustice because they don't use that same type of language. They use the language of faith, which means you trust and you obey, but that doesn't, somehow it gets lost in translation. Uh, So right here in Galatians 3.15, let's pick up here. And uh, let's just read a little bit, probably down to about verse 18. All right. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereunto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Okay. So here in this segment, we saw in verse 13, 14, that uh, Christ, has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse, the curse of the law is spelled out in Deuteronomy 28 and also Leviticus 26. Those are the sisters. That's the sister chapter. So we see the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is if you will not listen to what God commands, keep it in your heart and be quick to observe and to do what he says, then Satan, the god of this world, has every right to bring sickness and disease and poverty upon you. She's looking at me cross-eyed because apparently I said it a little different this time. So, okay, so here's the deal. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had total dominion and ownership of this world. God gave them ownership. When they chose to allow Satan to deceive them and not exer- when they chose to not exercise their dominion, authority, and power and instead yielded to the words of Satan, in other words, they did what Satan told them to do instead of what God told them to do, then they took then what happened was their authority, power, might, and dominion that God gave them was transferred into Satan's hands. And Satan became the God of this world. Now, does that mean that the Father God, the true Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, are now powerless? No, they have power. However, and I, and I said this to somebody one time, I said, uh, they said, well, why doesn't God, you know, handle this or do this? And I said, well, God doesn't have the power to do it. And they said, oh, that disagrees with the Bible. God is all-powerful. 
And I said, yes, you're right. God is all-powerful, but God is a just God. And the world and the universe and all of eternity has certain spiritual laws that govern it. And for and though God has the power to do things differently, if he breaks spiritual law, then he's no better than Satan. So God, being a just God, must follow spiritual law, or he's in the same class as Satan. See, Satan entered the earth illegally. Satan got his power over the earth illegally. He got it through trickery, through being a con artist. Being a deceiver. He came in. Remember, Satan took over the body of the serpent. He possessed the serpent. And he spoke through the serpent's ability. He spoke to Adam and Eve, specifically Eve. And you'll notice if you go back and you look, Eve nor Adam were shocked and amazed that the serpent was talking to them. They thought this was completely normal. So that tells us a little something. But so Satan came into the earth through the mechanism of a serpent, through an animal. Did the animals have power, might, and dominion? No. no. That was given to man in, De- in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Um, but when, the, when mankind yielded their authority, power, and dominion to the spirit behind the serpent, their dominion got handed over to Satan which means Satan became the boss of the world. He came in illegally. Why did Jesus have to come in through the womb of a virgin? Because the only one that had original legal right to the earth was mankind. So Jesus couldn't come through anybody but through mankind, or he'd enter by breaking the law like Satan. Okay? So this is why Jesus had to come as a Man, it's very important that you understand that when Jesus was on the earth, he operated as human. He was just as human as me and you. He laid every piece of his godship to the side. He came to the earth with no Godhead ability of any type. In fact, when he was a little boy growing up, if it wasn't for Mary and Joseph telling him about the marvelous wonders around his birth, Jesus would have never known that there was something special about him. He was as human as anybody else was. What made him different, what set him apart, was the anointing of the Holy Ghost at the age of 30. Once he was water baptized in the flow of God at that time, the, full, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon him in, in the fullness. And then he was able to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Then he was able to commune with God on the level that we commune, in the manner that we commune with God today. And he was able to find out from God himself what his assignment was. But until he went and spent the 40 days in the desert, Other than what he saw about himself in the scriptures, he had no idea what his assignment was. Can you imagine being like, you know, 
uh, maybe in his mid-twenties and getting over there. Because remember, in one of the times he was teaching in the synagogue, he went over and he pulled down the scripture. He had them get the scripture of Isaiah where Isaiah prophesied that he would pre- that he would uh, preach to the captives and set the captives free and heal the sick and heal the blind. Remember, he read that scripture. Imagine being in your 20s or maybe even in your teens and studying the scriptures of Isaiah and seeing that and thinking, Lord, I wonder who this person is. And then getting over there with God in the mountain on the 40 days and the Lord said, hey, remember that scripture back there? Uh, I'm talking about you, son. Imagine what it was like when he read when he read um, Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 about being stricken and bruised for our transgressions. Imagine how he thought about that. Oh, wait a minute. But see, he didn't have that revelation when he was little. That revelation came through studying the scriptures and then him spending time in prayer and the God showing him those things. Have you ever looked at the scriptures and and thought, wow, I relate to this person in the scriptures? Imagine, I'm sure Jesus did the same thing. Um, So we see that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. So what was I saying about the curse? Wow, how did we get there? Man, that's some good stuff, but I don't know how we got there. It's okay. Uh, She was looking confused about the redeemed. When Satan got power and authority, he came with all sickness, disease, and destruction. One of Satan's names is the destroyer. So when you get over into his kingdom, he's allowed, he's permitted to bring destruction upon you. What is the destruction? The curse. The curse. So God said, Satan is the God of this world. He is the destroyer. He has all manner of, of ways to bring destruction upon you. One of them is through sickness and disease. But I, God, am going to create a way for you to get out from underneath his rule. And how you're going to get out from underneath his rule is for you to obey my rules. And if you'll obey my rules, then I will separate you from the destroyer and not allow the destroyer to touch you. I'll not allow his curse to touch you. So, uh, and under the Old Testament, the way that they were able to get under God's protection was to strictly follow the law. Now, here's the deal. Many people in the New Testament believe, well, all i got to do is get under the blood of Jesus and I no longer have to concern myself with the law. That is not true. You can come, you come into the hand, you come into the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus. Instead of being servant, you become child, you become heir, you become family. But even the family of God still had to obey God. God in order for the curse to stay away. So we still have to um, follow the law. Jesus followed the law. Jesus never broke the law. If he had ever broken the law, he would not be a pure sacrifice. He would not be a pure sacrifice. And his sacrifice would have been in vain. And his sacrifice would have been in vain. So you'll notice... uh, in verse 15, Paul said by the Holy Ghost, I'm going to talk. Basically, the Holy Ghost said, let me talk to you like man talks to me. Really what he said. 
He said, man says, oh, I have a covenant with God, and I can pick and choose what I'm going to follow and what I'm going to do. But then the Holy Ghost says, no, 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 no. He said, no. He said, if that was true, then why can a man not change or disannul? Why can a man not take something out or add something in? See, he said, no, that's not true. The Holy Ghost said, no, that's not true. The only one that can change the covenant is God. Why? Because it's God's covenant. It's not man's covenant. We don't have a covenant with God. God has a covenant with us. And that's what he was saying. Let me say that again. We don't have a covenant with God. God has a covenant with us. And what that means is that if we'll do what God says we need to do, then God will take care of us. Then God will take care of us. And so many people, now remember, he's, he's there at Galatia. There's a lot of Jews that have converted to Christianity. Uh, there's a lot of Jews trying to get those Jews to go back under the law. And Paul is telling them, why go back under the law? And there's a lot of Gentiles, those outside of the Jewish lineage that have come into Christianity. And the Jews that are following the law are trying to get those Gentiles to come under the law. And Paul is telling them by the Holy Ghost, don't go back under the law. And he's explaining to them why they don't need to go back under the law. And the whole reason is, is because Jesus is the seed of promise. So what the Jews were doing is the Jews were, were um, touting or declaring or claiming their lineage or their genealogy. They were saying, well, I'm the great, 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 great grandson of of." Uh, Benjamin, or I'm the great-great-grandson of Levi, or I'm the great-great-grandson of this son of uh, Israel, or this son. They were claiming lineage and saying that because of lineage, because of genealogy, we're all in. But the law is, but, but here's the deal. Our covenant is not about genealogy, although there is a tie to genealogy. Our covenant is about faith. Because by this point in time, uh, 10 of the 12 tribes have left the ordinances of God. So of the 10 tribes that have left the ordinances, they're saying, we're not even doing anything that God told us to do, but we still get in because of who our great, 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 I lost count, great grandpa is. And so Paul makes, the, makes, it, makes it very clear right here in verse 16. He said, now to Abraham and his seed. seed, one, were the promises made. He saith not, and to the seeds. He said, listen. The Holy Ghost said, listen. It's not, it, it, there's not many seeds there's one. There's one. You have to come through the one seed, the one child, the one that the promise was made to. It says, and to seeds as of many, but as one. And to thy seed, and then he clarifies who's the seed. 
Who's the seed? Christ. Christ. He said, the only way you're getting in this covenant is to come through the blood sacrifice of Christ. Why? Because back there in Genesis 15, who made the blood covenant? Christ. Remember? God cut it. And then remember, a sleep came on Abraham. Or Abram at that point, remember a deep sleep came over him, and it was Jesus that walked the covenant for mankind. So if you're going to get into this covenant, you have to come in through Christ. There's no other way in but through Christ. Well, does that mean that all these Jews aren't making it? Well, unless they come to know Christ, that's right. Now, does that mean that the Jews aren't God's chosen people? No, they are. But they still have to come in through the promised child. They still have to come through the promise, which is why we pray for laborers for the Jews. This is why so many Christian ministries do works to minister to the Jews. Uh this is why, in the, once the church is raptured out of here, this is why God comes down, or the Holy Spirit's going to come down, and the Holy Spirit's going to seal the 144,000 Jews that have dedicated themselves to, to God, and those 144,000 Jews are going to get a real quick revelation of Jesus Christ, and they're going to be preaching Christ to the rest of the Jews for the next seven years. Remember, the Jews were stiff-necked. Now, here's the other thing that you have to understand about the Jews. When we come into Christ, because Jesus is part of the Jewish lineage, we, by the blood of Christ, in the Spirit, become of Jewish lineage. Not physically, our blood, if you gave me a blood test today and you checked my DNA, there'd be no Israelite DNA in me anywhere. But if you checked me spiritually, oh yeah, then I am right there. I am Jesus' sister. I am his, I am his sister. Why? Because I am in him. I am, in, I am in him. In fact, if you tested my, if you could test my blood spiritually, they'd say, uh, she's Christ. They wouldn't say, well, she's in Christ. They'd say, she's Christ. Why? Because I'm in through his blood. It's through his blood. Not my blood, his blood. All right. So, verse 17, he said, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of non-effect. We talked about this, how in Genesis chapter 15, almost towards the end, we see while the covenant is being cut, God said to Abram, he said, your lineage, your seed is going to go into bondage for 430, for over 400 years in a foreign land. And then we see in Genesis uh, chapter 46 where um, Isaiah, or um, I'm sorry, Israel is getting ready to, Israel is fixing to pass away. 
or I'm sorry, where it, where God shows up to Israel and he tells Israel, go into Egypt. And Israel, with his 12 sons, goes into Egypt and, the, and his entire family is there in Egypt for over 430 years. That's when the time clock started. That's when it started. Um, and then Paul is also referring in Exodus chapter 12, verse 40 and 41, about the time that Israel and his descendants were in Egypt. So that verifies the time clock starting. So we saw all of this uh, two weeks ago. And he said, but notice he said in verse 18, he said this. He said, for if the inheritance of the law if if we inherit the things of god through the law if that's how we do it is through the law um then it's no more of a promise but if god gave it to abram by promise guess how he gave it to us by promise by promise see the law the promise came before the law and remember Paul is making an argument as to why we, the Christians of today, no longer follow the old Levitical law. And the reason is, is because we're not trying to get under the law. We're trying to get in through the promise. Verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Oh my goodness, this verse. Whoo, let me tell you, this verse is an amazing verse. He said, he said, if it, he basically says, if it's, if it's by promise, if what we're trying to get into is by promise, then why are we serving the law? Right? Why are we serving the law? He said, no, don't serve the law. And then he explains why the, all, the, the law was added. It was added because of transgression. This word transgression simply means uh, a disregarding and a violating of God's commands. Remember what Paul, remember what God told Abram back there in uh, Genesis chapter 12. He said, leave your family, follow me, obey what I tell you to do. And all these things, and I will bless you with all these blessings. So what was the, what was the original command? Obey me, right? So what is the transgression? Disobedience. Failure to obey. So because, because the children of Abraham, because the children of faith in the Old Testament would not, because Israel's children would not Obey the law of God. Listen to what I tell you to do and do it. Because of that, God laid down the law. Okay? So that's what it means that because of transgression, because of violators. You know, here's the deal. We've all violated the law somehow. We've all. And so if we sat down and tried to walk down memory lane and wrote down all the times we transgressed the law, oh, my goodness, We'd feel so low down. We'd feel so sorry. But thank God for the blood of, for the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right. He said, and here's why the law was there. 
until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Who was the promise made to? Everybody. Come on. Who was the promise made to? Abram, the Jewish descendants. Remember, he's talking about covenant. When did Jesus make the covenant? Do what? When he died. No. Go back to Genesis chapter 15. Who, when he came as the fiery furnace, who, remember, Abram, God was talking to Abram, which was the father of faith, but when it came time to cut covenant, who walked the covenant? Jesus. Notice what it says. Tell the seed. Who's the seed? Jesus. Should come, uh, should come to whom the promise was made. The promise was made to Abram, which is, and what was Abram's, what, what is he famous for? He's the father of faith. So in order for the seed to bring to the promise to those of faith, the law was in place until that time came. I kind of goofed up the way I said it, but notice what it says. It says, uh, it, it, being the law, was added because of transgressions until the seed Christ should come to the people that the promise was made to. Who was the promise made to? Abram. And Abram is the father of faith. So if you're of faith, then the promise is made to you. If you're of faith, who is the promise made to? Me. That's right. Come on, let's say, if I'm of faith, the promises of God are made to me. Are made to me. Jesus came to give me the promise. To give me the promise. There you go. So, and it says, and it was, now look at, check this out. This is, I, it was ordained by the angels. Now I want to check, I want you to check this out. Talking about the law, when was it ordained? By the angels. Now this word ordained means to arrange, to appoint, to prescribe, to give order, or to institute. I want you to hold your place right here in Galatians. And I want you to go to um, Acts chapter 7, verse 53. Acts 7, 53. Acts chapter 7, verse 53. Let's read this one. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and kept and have not kept it. Okay. So here, Stephen is giving his great uh, gospel. He's giving his great, his, his, Stephen's giving his sermon. And he's preaching under such a thick anointing that his face even appears as that of an angel. His face begins to glow. His face begins to, 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 to radiate the goodness of God. And in the midst of his sermon, right before they stone him, he said this. 
he said, who, talking about, he's talking to the Jews. He said, you have received the law by the the disposition of angels and have not kept it. By the Spirit, under the unction of the Spirit, he said, the angels handed you, the Jews, the law. Now, wait a minute. I thought God gave Moses the law. Oh, my goodness. Go to, I need you to go from here. I need you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Deuteronomy 33. We're going to look at verse 1 and verse 2. Deuteronomy 1, 33, verses 1 and 2. And this is the blessing wherein, or wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Okay, so now we have the setting. We know that Moses is the one talking. We know that he's talking to the children of Israel. We know that he's blessing them with the blessing uh, right before he passes and moves over into eternity. So now we have the setting, and look at what Moses says to the children of Israel. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shineth forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. So here, Moses is talking about when, G, when, when the power of God, when God himself came down to Mount Sinai. And he's explaining how far down the mountain the power and the glory of God came. He's saying that glory reached to these other places. So he's talking about when he when Moses went up to meet with God and while he was meeting with God look at what it says it says while he while he was there in the cloud it says and he being God came with 10,000s of saints Now when we hear that word saints we think believers but that word saint actually means a, a set apart one or a consecrated one, or a, or a special one. That's what saint means. So saint does not always refer to a physical human being. A saint can be an angel that's been set apart for a specific function. Notice that it says that he came uh, with ten thousands, ten thousands of these, be, of these beings. And from this, uh, his right hand, so with all of the angels there, the angels with their right hand, it says, from his right hand, uh, a fiery law for them. Uh, the, uh, the margin of my Bible says, fire of law. So God, so here all of the angels are there when the law is instituted, when the law is put in place, the angels are there to witness it. This goes right with the scripture that says, this day, heaven and earth records. But why? Because there's tens of thousands of angels recording the event. Moses was not, it wasn't just God and Moses on the mountain, but God, Moses, and tens of thousands of angels were there on the mountain. Go to Revelations chapter 5. 
just to just to seal this home just to just to push this home let's go to revelations chapter 5 And let's look at verse 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So we know that there's angels, massive numbers of angels. Yet somehow Paul and Stephen both knew is how you know it was by the unction of the Holy Ghost. I mean, yes, it's recorded in the scriptures, but in the moment of their writing under the unction of the Holy Ghost, they had the, Paul had the, he had the foreknowledge to say, the law was ordained before the angels. The angels witnessed the instituting of the law. How incredibly cool is this? This is why, I truly believe this is why it took Martin Luther six months to teach Galatians, because there's so many incredible nuggets. There's so many incredible nuggets in here. Now let's go back to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 20. Well, let's finish off verse 19. It says, Wherefore uh, then serveth the law. Why are you serving the law? If, the, if it's about the promise and not the law, why are you serving the law? It was added, the law was added because of transgression. Until the seed, which is Jesus, should come to whom the promise was made. Who was the promise made to? Those of faith. And Jesus has come. We know that Jesus is the seed. He even said in verse 16 that Christ is the seed. So there's no question as to who the seed is. Uh, he said, um, and it was ordained, the law was ordained by the angels, put into place by the angels in the hand of the mediator. Who handed the law to man? The mediator. Who is the mediator? Let's look at the next verse. Now, Let's look at the next verse. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Okay. So let's take out a mediator, the second a mediator. Let's read it the way it reads in the, in the original language. It says, a mediator is not of one, but God is one. So who is this mediator? Well, in order to find out who this mediator is, we need to go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Who is the mediator between God and man? Jesus Christ. Not just Jesus Christ, the man, Jesus Christ. When Jesus stands before the Father God as our mediator... He speaks as a man. He doesn't speak as the son. He speaks as the man. Why does he speak as the man? Because he, let me explain. 
Say it again. Because he went through it as a human. He's the one that can say, Father, you don't understand the pressure. He understands the Father, and he can speak to the Father in a manner that helps the Father understand his child. As a youth minister, we can, Pastor Mike and I can kind of explain this a little bit because when you are dealing with a teenager that's having some issues and having some drama, you know, there's an anointing on a youth, a God-called, God-appointed youth minister that enables that youth minister to be able to talk to that age group generation and be able to hear and read between the lines in a manner that their parents cannot understand. The child, the child may go, well, I just don't know. And the parent sees them as obstinate, disobedient, uncooperative, and these things. The youth minister will say, now hold on. This is their coping mechanism. They're feeling a lot of stress. Let's lower the atmosphere a little bit. Close your mouth, parent, and give them a chance to express themselves. And then the teenager will begin to kind of, and, we're, and, and why? Because fear is trying to grip them, and we can say, no, 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 hold on, hold on. You're okay. You know we can understand. You know we're on your side. We're going to fight for you tooth and nail. We're going to help to keep this situation as calm as we can, and we're going to help your parents to see this from your standpoint. That's what Jesus does as our mediator. He helps the Father to understand us, Because he knows what it's like to be us. And he also knows what it's like to be the Godhead. And so he can bridge the gap between human and God. So when when Jesus the man goes as the mediator before the Father, he's not speaking from the position of God. He's speaking from the perspective of man. And he's able to... To, to transmit or to convey the human's situation in a way that the, God, that the Father God can begin to have understanding. And when God gets the understanding, then God can be moved with compassion. And when God's moved with compassion, then that opens the door for mercy, grace, and favor. And all of a sudden, the things of God begin to work for us. Why? Because of the mediator, the man Jesus Christ. And that's why we need it. So when he's in that position, he's not God. In that position, he's man. And aren't you so glad that we have a God who can fill that gap for us? Amen. Glory to God. Ooh, gracious. All right, let's go back to Gen- back to Galatians. Let's not go back to Genesis. Holy no. noly. Let's go back to Genesis. All right. Verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? Excuse me. God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Okay. So he said, he said, so, we're saying, so Paul is giving all of these arguments as to why we don't follow the law, and somebody in their stinking thinking could go, well, well, then the law doesn't matter. How much you know we have people that do that today? Yep. We have people that do that today. And Paul said, no, 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 no. We don't throw the law out. 
Because honestly, the truth is, is if God could have gotten us the promise through the law, if God could have made us righteous with just the law, he would have. But honestly, we humans are too hard and stiff-necked because if we weren't so hard and stiff-necked and rebellious, if we had just followed the law, we would have been righteous. But we're too hard to do that. So God had to do something on the inside of us to make it to where we could be righteous. All right, so this is what he said. Let's go to verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now, if the margin of your Bible is like the margin of my Bible, the margin of my Bible almost never lets me down. But the margin of my Bible, when I looked at this, because it says, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin. I said, Lord, what scriptures? I looked at my Bible and I said, what scriptures are you referring to? And it took me to two scriptures in Romans. And they're both completely accurate. But if that was the scripture he was referring to, then that would mean that, that, would mean that by the time he wrote this letter to Galatians, the letter to Rome would have already been considered scripture. And that kind of doesn't work right. So thankfully, when I was looking at this and studying this, Mom had uh, my uncle's Thompson study Bible. And thankfully, the Thompson study Bible um, had some scriptures in the Old Testament that we can look at for these. And for the sake of time, I'm just gonna, we're just going to kind of go through these real quick. But go to Psalms uh, 143. Psalms 143. Psalms 143, verse 2. And enter not into judgment with thy servant. He's pleading the Lord. He's saying, Lord, don't enter into judgment uh, with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. He said, Lord, if you come to justify a man right now, ain't none of them going to be justified. None of them. Ain't none of them going to be justified. Go to, we're right here in Psalms, go to Psalms 53. Actually, um, go to Psalms 103, or 130. Okay, there is no 53. Yeah, there's or, a Psalm I mean, 53. No, go to Psalms 30. 30, all right. 130. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Psalms 130, verse 3. Psalms 130, verse 3. Verse 3. All right. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Think about it. If the Lord went and he just lined us all up and he said, I'm going to give you a mark for every iniquity, who's going to be left standing? Nobody. Ain't nobody going to be left standing. Now let's go to Psalms 53. 53, not 153. No, gotcha. 53. We're just, we're just going to look at just a few of these. There's lots and lots and lots of them. All right, 53. Psalms 53, verse 3. Verse 3. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. He said, Lord, they're all gone bad because ain't none of them done good. How much, you know, we could say that about everybody. Uh, go to 1 Kings, 1 Kings, verse 8. Just keep backing up in your Bible. 1 Kings uh, chapter 8. I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 8. 
verse 46. All right. If they, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy, far or near. So he starts off, he said, if they sin against thee, and then he pauses and he goes, for there is no man that sinneth not. He just answered his question, he's like, they all sin. He said, they all sin, they all sin. So we've, we looked at just four, there's lots and lots of Old Testament scriptures that say that every man is sin. Let's go back to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. All he right. said, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin. We can agree with that. We've all made our mistakes. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Basically what the scripture is saying, you're not discounted simply because you sinned. You're not discounted because you've sinned. If you will put faith in Jesus Christ, if you will just believe in him, you get to partake in the promise. That's basically what he's saying right here. All right, just a couple more verses, and then we will actually be finished. Yay. But let's just let's push through these last few verses. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So he's talking again. He's going back to Old Testament. He's going back to the law. He said, but before faith came. See, under the Old Testament, remember, I said the word faith is not in the Old Testament. Under the Old Testament, it was simply obey. It was simply obey. But now God says, faith. What is faith? Faith is you have so much trust and so much confidence in God that you willingly choose to obey. Under, un, he, said, he said under the Old Testament, they basically had just to obey. That's all they had. But now, he said, he said, but before faith came, in other words, before Christ came, we were kept under the law. Shut up onto the faith which should be afterwards revealed. In other words, he said, back there in the Old Testament, we were basically following faith, but we were following faith in the one that was coming, where now Christ has already come, so now we put our faith in him, not in the promise of his coming. That's the difference. Right. Now, I love the next verse that's coming. All right, 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Okay. I want to talk to you about this schoolmaster. I looked this schoolmaster up, and I thought, when I, looked, when I really looked, dug, dug into what the schoolmaster meant, I mean, it just changed my understanding. Let me give you, let me tell you what a schoolmaster was. Now, remember, he's talking to Galatians to the church at Galatia, which was under Roman rule. And, they were, and, and many that were coming into Christianity were Greeks. Many that were coming in were Greeks. And this definition, schoolmaster, it means a tutor or a guardian 
that guard, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a tutor, a guardian, and a guide of boys. A tutor, a guardian, and a guide of boys. Specifically among the Greeks and the Romans. Uh, what would happen is the Greek, and, and, and this was more in the upper class families, the better class families, um, the Greeks and the Romans would appoint one of their trustworthy slaves. Or servants. Or servants. Uh, well, really they were slaves. They had slaves in those days. We don't like it, but they did have slaves. They purchased them and different things like that. But these were trustworthy ones, ones that had proven themselves. Uh, um, they were who were charged with the duty, this, this trustworthy slave or this trustworthy servant would be charged with the duty of supervising the life and the morals of the boys that belonged to that family. So basically, if you were in one of these higher-ranking families, in, 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 and this was done amongst the Romans and the Greeks, uh, what you would do, and you had children that were boys, you would assign a servant or a slave that was trustworthy to your child. And that servant's job was to go with that, that boy everywhere that boy went and to make sure that that boy lived a very upright and proper and moral life everywhere he went. And to train them in that. And to train them in that. Now, these servants, these schoolmasters, would stay with these boys to the point that the boys were not even allowed to step out of the door of the house without their schoolmaster. And their schoolmasters stayed with them until the age of manhood, which was the age of 30. So from, the, from, from infancy, they were assigned a person that went with them everywhere they went. If they were in the house and outside of the house, especially outside of the house, and that person's, that slave's duty was to make sure that that child, to the age of 30, to the age of manhood, did everything proper according to the laws and according to culture and all of that, and that they would follow all of the morals. And uh, now, if, unless you're rebellious, and if you've got a good schoolmaster, and you're now moving into adulthood, unless you're rebellious, are you going to be real quick to want to get rid of your schoolmaster at the age of 30? No, because you've learned how to do life with that schoolmaster. Um, and so Paul here, Paul says, check out what he says. He says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. The law was what is to govern the Jews everywhere they went. Guess what the Holy Ghost is? He's our schoolmaster. Everywhere we go. But so often we go, no, no, schoolmaster, I don't need your information. No, no, schoolmaster, I don't need your leading. No, no, schoolmaster, I got this. Uh, huh. um, 
That didn't go well for the schoolmasters if the children got in trouble, if the children did something wrong. That was not okay for the schoolmasters. He said, he said, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ. The whole purpose of the Jewish law was to, was to lead and guide and direct to Christ that we might be justified by faith. They should have been so good at obeying the law that when Christ came, they should have been able to look at Christ and say, that's the Messiah, now we follow him like we followed the law. Right. So now when we come into Christ, we look at Christ and we go, you're our schoolmaster, whatever you say, that goes. That goes. All right. Verse 25, but after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. No longer under that law. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now remember, who was the schoolmaster for? The children. He said, uh, but now, if you're in Christ, you're no longer under a schoolmaster, but you're in Christ, but you're, but you're still the children of God. So who becomes our schoolmaster? Well, and, and, Jesus. And, and here's the thing. People try to say, oh, well, you know, we, we're not under the law anymore, so we don't, we don't have to follow any of that stuff. But the schoolmaster was preparing you for, for life. For life. Yeah. The, the schoolmaster was teaching you how to live an upright and a moral life. So just because we don't need the schoolmaster anymore because we've learned, do we throw all that he taught us out? No. No, no we do not. No. In fact... Everything the schoolmaster has taught us for the past 30 years should be instant, should be automatic, should be automatic. This is why you should get, this is why we as Christians need to get to the point that we are living day in and day out out of our spirit and not out of our head and not out of our emotions. Yes. The word, the word being Jesus would be part of our schoolmaster. Yes. Yes. Look at verse 27. All right. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How much do you know? If you've been baptized into Christ, what does that mean? It means you've been totally submerged in Christ in the living water. When you come up, what do you come up in? Christ. Christ is the Word made flesh. So should the Word not be partly our schoolmaster? Absolutely. It's the word that we learn from. The word always precedes, and this is where so many Christians make a mistake. They go, oh, I got the Holy Ghost on the inside. I don't need to know what the word says. No, 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 no. The word always precedes the, the spirit. You confirm everything you pick up in the spirit. You confirm it in the word, and that's how you stay out of ditches. So, yes, the word is just as important as the Spirit. In fact, the Word is more important than the Spirit. But really, if you only have the Word, you're lacking. And if you only have the Spirit, you're lacking. You need the Word and the Spirit coming together to reveal the power of God in your life. That's the name of the church. <laughs> Let me say that again. You need the Word and the Spirit coming together to reveal the power of God operating in your life. Amen. That is the fullness of the schoolmaster. 
That is the fullness of Christ. All right. Two more verses. Yay. Not that this isn't good, but all right. <laughs> there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Jesus Christ, because Listen. God is not a respecter of people or persons. Correct. No, exactly. Correct. Not. Zach said this does not mean that this is not a that this is a whole unisex world. That's correct. What this means is that once you are in Christ, it doesn't matter who you were before. It doesn't matter who you were before. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter. God can use a small child. God can use an old person. God can use the man and God can use the women. God can use the Jew, the Greek, the Roman, the servant, the bondman. He can use the poor and the rich. There's nobody that God cannot use and will not receive if they will put their faith in Christ. Yeah. That's what this is talking about. It's man that says, oh, women can only work in the nursery and in children's church. Women cannot stand in the pulpit. No, women can stand in the pulpit. Men can stand in the pulpit. Only old people can stand in the pulpit. No, young people, if they're anointed and appointed by God, can stand in the pulpit. Jesus, without the Holy Ghost, taught in the temple at the age of 12. How much more we can, listen, the Holy Ghost, you don't have to wait. I get so frustrated at these churches that make their kids wait to receive the Holy Ghost until there's some teenager at youth camp. Why are you not getting those babies filled with the Holy Ghost when they're little? Teach them to t speak in tongues when they're little. I mean, come on. When I taught children's church, I always taught them about the Holy Ghost. I taught them how to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I taught them how to pray in tongues. I taught them how to lay hands on the sick and let the sick be healed by it. I taught them how to sing and praise and, and, and worship God. We've watched it. We've seen it. We've seen little babies a week old come into, you know, family come into church, and we tell you, know, and they're like, oh, we've got to take the baby to the nursery. We're like, no, 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 no. You keep that baby in the, in the sanctuary. And that little bit, and the, and the, the, the church will get to praising, and the church will get to worshiping, and at days old, that little baby will raise their hands. We've witnessed it. We've witnessed it. We've witnessed small children shooting out of the altars and running to the altars and pointing. And you talk to them, and they say, angel. They see them. It doesn't matter how little you are. It doesn't matter how big or how old you are. It doesn't matter that you served Satan for 30 years and now you're serving God. God can still use you if you'll put your faith in him. I mean, look at Saul. Yeah. He was a, he was a murderer and a prosecutor of Christians. He, he tore families apart, uh, uh, stood by while people were stoned and helped stone people. Yeah, he held Stephen's coat while Stephen was stoned. And and yet he ended up being one of the biggest one of the biggest writers in the Bible. The apostle. <laughs> he he's known as the great apostle. One last verse. All right. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Notice it says, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, seed singular. 
If you come into Christ, then you are also the seed. You are part of the seed of Abraham. And what is it? What is in the seed of Abraham? All the promises of the covenant. All the promises. There's nothing that Abraham had that you yourself cannot obtain. Well, glory to God. We made it through chapter 3. Glory, glory, glory to God. Uh, and like I said, there's just so many nuggets. There's so many truths. And this is why sometimes it takes time. It takes time to get through these things. Well, glory to God. Uh, if one of our ushers will come, uh, we'll do our tithes and our offerings if you have a tithe or an offering. Glory to God. And if you don't have a seed to sow, just believe the Lord for a seed to sow. Lay your hand on the offering plate and say, Father, I thank you for seed to sow. That's one of my birthday gifts. My mama said, you always have these raggedy check, just checkbooks just floating around. So I got you checkbook covers. And I said, thank you. I really needed those. And it tells me, it reminds me, trust in the Lord always. Because sometimes, because sometimes, uh, oh, I didn't even notice the bag. It says, trust in the Lord always. For the Lord God is your eternal rock. Isaiah 26, 4. Yes, yes, yes. Glory to God. Well, glory to God. You want to bless the tithes and the offerings? Thank you, Jesus. Sure. Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received. We, we thank you that it is growing and bearing fruit in our life and the lives of those that we come in contact with. Lord, we will meditate on this word throughout the week, and we will, we will apply it to our lives, and we will, we will share this with the people we come in contact with. Lord, we just thank you for your many blessings and for, and for making a way for us and for being that mediator for us and, and, and just making things work. Lord, you, we want to we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give unto your kingdom, and we ask that you bless this, our, our offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think to, towards the doing of your work and your will here on this earth. And Lord, we ask that you that you bless us, uh, that for yeah. our offerings, that that we can become a bigger blessing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus. Name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that the sow the seed that we sow causes us to be a blessing so that we may be a blessing. Satan, take your grubby hands off the increase. Angels, go get it according to the word. Cause prosperity come according to God's riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Well, Miss Ann and I are headed to check.